There's been a theme this morning from the start when we first arrived. Robert valiantly arrived at 8.30 for our 9 o'clock practice. And, uh, but the first thing that you said was, was just led us into something very beautiful of worship and where heaven was really in that, in that music and in that worship. And, um, and part of that worship was just about um, a bird flying flying free, that he actually, um, he talks about us soaring like eagles and um, renewing our strength in the Lord. And um, the verse that that I, um, s- uh, from my perspective, stumbled upon this morning seems to be quite key from Galatians 5.18. But when you yield to the life of the Spirit, we've been hearing about this in Graham's testimony, you will no longer, you will no longer be living under the law, but soaring above it. And uh, before I s- start, you know, this whole thing about the bird soaring higher um, is so relevant to me because um, probably about twenty years ago, Mark and I received the privilege of some beautiful ministry restoring the foundations, and um, it was very thorough. And wonderful. And one of the things that the prayer minister said to me is that I see you as a bird in a cage. The cage door is opened, but you're not flying out. The cage has all the mod cons that this bird could ever want. You're in the cage. And there's nothing stopping you flying out. You just haven't. And so I don't know if anyone can relate to that in some way, that there's sometimes we, we, we see that there's something more, but we haven't quite been able to do it. And I, and I think that part of that is to do with um, the walk that we're doing as, um, as the Holy Spirit is setting us free to be able to fly. And so for each one of us, we have, we have some restrictions that he's wanting to cut. He's wanting to cut the, the guy ropes so that we can fly. Interestingly, in addition to this, um, a very good friend, colleague, um, she retrained my playing by um, a method that um, by a, an amazing pianist, but it's actually meant to be um, um, a prevent injury prevention. But of course, if you use it all the time, you hopefully won't get an injury. But guess what the subtitle is? Freeing the caged bird. And uh, when I, Mark will, will testify that when I played the piano before, it was always a little bit of angst of getting it right. And um, there was a certain amount of, you know, right, wrong, failure. I love playing, but somehow since I've been um, using this method, which is now intrinsic in me. It's like automatic. Um, I feel like I'm in love with, there's a freedom. Because, you know, when you play, you don't want to be thinking about the notes. You don't want to be thinking about the technical side. You just want to flow. And so that's what. So, Holy Spirit, thank you for what you want to do in each one of us this morning. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the one who lifts us above the law. And you set us free to fly. You set us free to sing and lead worship. 
get us, set us free from all that entangles us, and you break that off. And I speak that over as I speak this morning, that Holy Spirit, you would work in each of our lives to set us free of what is that unique thing or anything that you want to do in us. We we say, let our lives be ready for that next next piece of freedom for today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, this month we are on a theme of freedom and wholeness and um, last week we began uh, I'm going to actually move just so I can keep an eye on the screen because I have to credit Mark to some amazing technical work behind the scenes to make it all look fabulous so um, ooh, I need to be on that one. Um, I would like to just do a, a very quick uh, recap on what we covered actually two weeks ago, but my lesson one. And um, so I'm going to put this up and I want you please to just tell me what you see, what remind us what we learned about this picture. This is God's original plan for who we are. We are made of spirit, soul, and body. This is the perfect thing God saw. It was very good. What do you notice? Call it out. Say it again. Spirit's larger. What did I miss over here? Interconnect. Yes, you can see the the uh, overlap. Carol pointed that out. Very good. Yes. So, so that's right. So our spirit is designed to receive from God, from Holy Spirit, and th- and then our spirit. This is our spirit. Then teaches our our soul internally internal um, information, revelation from heaven, and that in turn um, um, leads our body. Okay, so at the fall, our spirit died. (coughs) And Teresa, you had a very good explanation for that sort of fuzzy, what did you call it? Uh, Blackout? Blackout, like on the television, you know, those televisions that like buzz, because you're not picking up reception. So our soul... Our spirit is not picking up the reception of heaven here. Um, and so now what's happened to our soul? All right, it's not receiving from the spirit. And Carol, just point, tell us what you noticed about the overlap. No flow, and the soul is now dominant. And because there's no internal source or resourcing, the soul is forced uh, to do things it's not created to do, and it actually has to get its information and input from outside, from the senses. And so we, at this point, have get to learn and rely on our external input. All right? So through our eyes, through our hearing, through our touch, sense of touch, and you can see how vulnerable we are to the input of what the enemy wants us to experience. We're not, we're, we're closed off to the tap on the inside. Okay. So uh, when we first um, are saved, when we first say yes to Jesus, immediately our spirit becomes one with God. And the Holy Spirit gets to flow fully in that place. But this is before much growth. Our soul has been used to being in charge, and it is 
exalted, in an exalted place. And so our, our charge now as believers is to uh, um, agree for our soul to come under again, to allow the Holy Spirit to teach from the inside. But we've sort of got used to external input and so it takes quite a lot of change and it sort of takes our life. <laughs> Hopefully we can agree, you know, sooner rather than later to actually experience more freedom. And that's what we love here in this place is, is just to encourage and make an environment where we can walk in more of that freedom. And so um, I think there's one more. So, you know, the Bible says that I am saved when I know Jesus. So that's the spirit. In my spirit, I am saved. I am going to heaven, and there's nothing that I can do or not do that will affect that. Uh, my soul is being saved, and that's the Bible talks about my soul being saved. So that's the, the part in the present that we're working on. And your body, my body is going to be saved. It's going to look glorious. All right, so today... You can see in the middle um, that um, we're going to have a look at the soul being saved because that's the part that we need that's going to change how much freedom we walk in because our soul is is good, but our 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 spirit is good, but our soul um, needs the um, the transformation. And so, thank you. So today we're going to look at making and remaking memories. And how the soul works. Who's excited about that? Who wants to know more about this? Okay. So the soul has three components. Each of which serve a specific function. And all three of them are designed to function interdependently. So within the soul, we're looking in that middle circle we're going to look at each of those three in turn. So I don't think in any particular... So the mind is one part. The mind and the second is the emotions and the third is the will. Okay, so now we ask ourselves, what do they all do? And you probably know a lot of this, but actually to have it all put together, for me, I um, want to credit Chip Judd who was our counsellor for several years. Um, he taught this, and I have been lapping it up and loving it. So the mind deals with the facts, facts of what we encounter in our life. The mind processes information, dealing with facts, events, and memories. And it files them, arranging them and rearranging them. Who loves to move furniture? Um, and it likes to keep things orderly and consistent. Pick me, pick me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> the emotions deal with feelings that are attached to the facts. So the emotions attach feelings to facts and memories. The intensity and importance of an experience strengthens the feelings attached to the fact. And the will makes choices based on this above. The will makes choices or decisions based on the information available to it. Now, that's all very good, but
but all three of them are committed to also avoiding pain and other uncomfortable experiences. Avoidance of pain and other uncomfortable experiences is paramount. paramount. The soul will override its design to operate interdependently to avoid pain. In other words, it wants to be in charge of making sure we don't hurt. Who likes, we don't like to hurt, right? And um, in emergencies, the components can dissociate to ensure this. That means that they are not working together and they just get fragmented. One important thing is, uh, once a truth has become established in my soul, for instance, from childhood patterns, and most powerfully from significant people, once a truth has become established in my soul, it takes great effort to dislodge it. Easy to get the memory, hard to dislodge it. So, making a memory. How the soul stores information. Our brain fits into our two hands. You can hold your hands out, cup them. Your brain fits in there, and it's a miracle. We easily carry it around with us. We forget car keys. <laughs> Apparently, taxi drivers in London have larger brains because they have had to really train. Like, Can you imagine how big our brains were right at the beginning? Because, I mean, now we probably use like a small percentage of what the capacity is because we probably don't um, live to the fullness. I, I think that how many, what percent would you throw out there <laughs> of how s what small percentage? But people who have really trained their brains actually have larger brains. Um, the brain is more powerful than any computer yet developed a phenomenal piece of equipment. It's incal incalculable how much our brain does each second, keeping track of so much. A former pastor used to tell me, Jane, you think too much. <laughs> Actually, he was telling me you think too much. But more importantly, my brain filters out of my awareness, filters things so that I can focus on one thing because there's so much going on around us, right? You know, if you're sitting in school in the classroom, there's someone behind kicking the desk, another person, you know, talking to their friend, the teacher's telling us something on the front, someone else is drawing something. We could get very distracted. So our brain is trained to focus on what we need to do and cut out what is um, distracting. It's actually chemical and electrical in nature. That's probably what happened when I plugged myself in, my hairdo. Anyway. <laughs> so understanding how our brain, our mind, makes memories, that means how it learns, how it stores and retrieves information, is key to properly understanding how to break destructive cycles of behavior. So we live doing things that we really don't want to do or we don't do things we want to do and there's a reason. In fact, we said we're all doing our best but there's stuff that's in there that just makes it really hard to do what we want to do. So a memory 
I actually, uh, Cynthia, can you just hold the mic for him just for one minute, please? Just for me, just hold it down. So memory is actually two things. Can you hold up your hands? In one hand is facts. Hold the facts. In the other hand is emotions. And a memory is formed when they're paired together and they it's like a dual relationship. They, they are paired together and then that pairing is stored in my memory. And then when I want to remember something, I get out that pairing and I can, I can know that there's, there's a fact there. You know, when I went on holiday that time, we went in the car and it felt really good, you know, so that had a, a good emotion attached to it. So now that memory feels good. So what's in your one hand? And what's in the other? And you join them together and it makes a nicely filed and stored away. So my example as well is Caleb. I know Caleb loves having baths. And so he's enjoying a nice warm bath and he's got eye contact with his mum. And so his senses are all enjoying that and his love languages, all, all of that is are being... Um, impacted wonderfully and so for him when he thinks about a bath when he thinks about coming to a bath time today his memory it will go back and think oh yes I can just get that out this is a good thing because this has a good experience attached to it so a good memory a good emotion attached to that fact um, is what um, will affect him as he has his next bath so a memory is a basic unit of learning and it's a connection of a feeling or a desire <coughs> and an action or a symbol. It's an event that is coded <coughs> and filed sim symbolically as a memory. So I guess a symbol of a bath when he thinks of bath quickly becomes that memory as well. How are you all doing? Is this making sense? You got your own ex examples? So, when an event is paired with a distressed emotion, the filing system tries to protect itself. What did we say about the soul? Does not want to feel pain does everything it can to not feel pain. So the truth, we know that the truth sets us free. But our emotions are not are committed to survival, not truth. Therefore, if something represents past pain to me, I'll do whatever I can to get away from it and protect myself. Even if it's not rational, to do so, even if it doesn't make sense. And so, um, I'll get to that. Memories just care about not hurting anymore. So I'm going to look at the strength and power of a memory, because some memories are just sort of, sort of average, but there are some that really stand out to us. And the Holy Spirit, of course, is going to remind us of ones that are significant, that's another part of it. So the strength or power of a memory is determined by two factors. Number one, 
how often it happened. Did it happen once or a lot of times? And part of that is that it's by a significant person, mom or dad or teacher. So <coughs> I teach piano and there's one particular, well, there's lots of wonderful families, but for a while I've been watching this one family. The mum is so positive all the time. So she is always giving affirmation, and the little one is like four, it's tiny, but she's always like, that was really good, oh, well done. And um, so I feel like th the little boy is playing the piano but he's got an emotion attached to that, which is what, good or bad? Very good, right? So does he want to play again? Yeah, and he loves playing to other people, right? And um, I have to tell you, that little four-year-old was probably the best with a microphone when we all had to introduce our pieces. <laughs> the other ones, like, stumbled over using the microphone. This four-year-old told them like it was. <laughs> all right, so, if this, so positive memories in our childhood gives us confidence and motivation, and that's... Wonderful. On the other hand, if a parent speaks unkindly to his or her child when the child accidentally brings a wrong tool or a book when asked, the child may feel misunderstood. But if the parent regularly declares, you're lazy and you'll never amount to anything or there's something wrong with you, the child feels rejected and becomes increasingly demotivated and there's pain there. Um, his or her confidence is undermined through the repetition of these painful emotions. And the combined facts and feelings of these recurring moments get locked in more securely. So they're locked in more because of the repetition. The other part to it is the intensity. So the level of emotion. Whenever there's a high level of abuse, for instance, the child stores this memory and later reacts intensely because of the depth of the pain stored in his or her filing system of memories. Mm. So if something happened to you as a child and it was so intense, so painful, then you grow up and you're an adult and you go to your workplace and your boss says something that's quite mild, but you react hugely. It's because there was something in your today experience that resonated with something from the past that was so dramatic. And so the intensity of that original memory is um, part of um, that memory being so locked in and so it becomes so automatic that we then respond when we don't even want to, like that was out of proportion to um, what was happening in today's event. Does that make sense? On the other hand, a powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit will transform your expectation to know God is good. So repetition and intensity are things that lock memories in. And so those are things that Holy Spirit is after in us to set us free. Memories are associative in nature and function. So, in, so memories are linked with things. All right, so, and they function very quickly, I should say. So in the domain of emotions, things are as they seem not whether they're true. 
So because of my stored memory, I see it through the eyes of that memory and that pain. And so sometimes what I see is it's it's reality to me, but it might not be reality out there. But it's my reality, but it's it's somehow distorted. We react to symbols of reality the same as reacting to reality itself. So someone with the same bill, so if something happens to me, and this is what the person looks like, but then later in life I see someone else that's not that person, so I'm saying it's, it's not true, but this person looks like them, we will react to that person, even though they're now safe and love you and everything, as though they were this person that hurt you. And so um, we are triggered. So a story we heard from our counsellor, he said he was talking with a girl, just having a conversation, and she suddenly turned white and ran. And out of her peripheral vision, she had seen a man who just looked like her perpetrator, the one who violated her at a young age. And she saw so much danger and reacted reflexively. She didn't wait to assess the reality. Is this the same person or not? No, she didn't. She just was an automatic reaction uh, because this person now is, a, is the same symbol as the first one. Maybe within your marriage or friendship circle, you react irrationally because of a distressing childhood experience buried from the past. Even though you know that your spouse or your friend loves you, if they're totally safe, they never hurt you in the same way, and they, you know that they want the best for you, at the right moment and under the right conditions, we can all act out of our pain until we deal with it. Untreated, we make errors of judgment later in life because of earlier associations we have made. And pain today is like a signpost for some of these memories. So when we went to Toronto, my heart was such a big yes, and I was trying to, I said, God, I want what I'm seeing. I saw such freedom in people, and the Holy Spirit was working in them. Some of them were, were just finding so much freedom. These many people came to Toronto on the brink of despair, and I mean, not everyone, but, but people were really being touched. And I just said, Lord, I want this. But one of the things for me was that I did not have a, a high level of self-confidence. And I didn't value my own opinion. And so I would never, ever felt feel like I could go up to someone having a conversation. I couldn't like go up and come and talk to you. Um, I would never say, if you were having a conversation and you were all agreeing on something and I didn't think so, I would never say, I don't think so. But I had said to God, I want, I want more freedom, I want more. And so I was trying hard, right? I was trying harder, trying less, trying more. So guess what? Gets me when I'm asleep. Who has dreams? Right? Dreams, yes, dreams really are 
his way of speaking to us when we have all our guards down and we don't have our brain trying to get in the way we know of what what we what we are needing and so in this dream i was in a swimming competition and some of you know that um, i love swimming and um all of a sudden everybody got out i'm like oh, i haven't had my race yet and i was desperate i was like you're leaving me out and i was breathing oh no and I saw this empty pool, and it was so distressing. And I woke up, and I said to Mark, I've just had a dream. He said, I know, I've been praying for you. <laughs> so we said, what is this a signpost to from the past? So it's not that God stops us having bad experiences. It's like he wants to use, like he, got a dr- he had a dream, but he, why is this happening? And so we went through, I just thought, okay, well, when I was at school, I felt like different from everybody else. There was one particular sports day event I really wanted to do. It was an obstacle race. It looked so much fun. And she kept choosing somebody else. And the last, I was about to age out and go to another school. And she she like, no, if you've asked me once, you've asked me. And so I, my heart was cru- you know, really crushed by that. And I felt like I had short socks. Long socks. Everyone else had looked different. I looked different. I had short hair. Everyone thought I was a boy. And all of a sudden, he said, God says, I chose you to be Jane. If you had been made at any other time, you wouldn't have been Jane, and I wanted you. And those words changed me. And from then on, I could walk up to people. It wasn't the full extent of some of the healing he continued to do, but it really changed how I went up to people and I could talk to them. And um, I'm so thankful for that. So um, that was very deeply lodged and he used a dream. So write your dreams down, take them seriously. Um, So I'm going to say that um, memories that are excessively painful are stored in fragments. So just going to come to Cynthia. She's on the mic, but I'm just going to ask you to hold this one until. So we have a fact. This happened. Maybe the sports day, and I didn't get chosen for that. And the feeling. This, of course, is not at all terrible compared with what other people. And so, when I put it together now, say this is a really terrible experience. My my soul does not want it together. It's like too 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 painful, and so it. Pulls them apart and it stores them separately. And it's a fragment. It's called dissociation. And it's basically a fragmentation of the memory. So we s- the, the memory is painful enough that we separate the facts from the feeling and store them in a disjointed fashion. We ab- dissociate the memory to ensure the avoidance of pain or danger. We alter it so it doesn't hurt so much. So we've got fact in this one hand and the feeling in the other. So if we dissociate, we might just go back and and take out a filing just the fact. And we leave the the feeling just in there. We're not going to go there too much. And so, so when you hear someone who says, 
oh well, you know, something you know something's really terrible happened to them, but they are just so speaking devoid of any emotion about it. Well, I guess what the person did to me wasn't right, but it wasn't at all connected with any emotion. Or really, I wish it didn't happen, but I guess it did. Or I guess there's not much I can do about it. Well, if you want to talk to me about it, you can. I don't need know that I need to. That person is just dealing with the fact and cannot go to the feeling. It's like the feeling's been put in cold storage, but they're still there. And it takes a lot of energy to pretend that you aren't feeling something. And you have to work hard to not feel what you're feeling. But over a time, you might forget that you are doing that work. I had anorexia for a short time. And in that time, I squashed down my emotions because I wanted to leave the emotions behind and just focus on the facts. Spirit came and spoke to me and spoke truth and set me free from that. And so the other point, so that was if you just are a person that something so bad has happened and this could be someone in this room and so I honor that and you know afterwards if you feel like God's been speaking to you then we have prayer team to pray with you. Um, and just encourage you because this is a very real thing. Someone else who's dissociating to protect themselves might just be all about the emotions and they just can't talk about the fact that the fact stays in cold storage. And so the, the memory is so bad that the facts have been ripped from the feelings and buried. And so this person is someone who just does a big reaction to something minimal. So their emotions are, are just not proportionate to the actual situation. And so they tend to be quite sort of vulnerable um, emotionally. They sort of bounce around indiscriminately, not attached to really what's happening. It could be like, you know, people talk about their father. They don't know if they're going to walk into anger or passivity or whatever. That might be an example of just just not knowing what's going to happen. So their reaction is disproportionate to the current triggering event. So I'm just coming to the last little bit here. So as we've grown up, we are we have a set of rules about how the universe is. So because of all my experiences put together, I am starting to have a filing system of what the world is like. Good and bad. Mixture, all of us, right? And it's all these different experiences that add up to this belief system. You know, belief system that I'm no good. Or it can be a positive thing. I don't want us to just be looking at negative. But... Um, And again, so, for example, positive. If a 
Um, you know, we said already something positive, you know, Caleb, who's such a great example of being loved and, and his parents are so attentive to his needs and, and just so available to him. That's such a gift to him and he is learning affirmation. He's learning so much and his heart is wide open and his heart is not having to protect itself from pain. It's beautiful. If on the other hand a father in another family is not easily able to express healthy affection towards his child, and that may be you, the child lives with a hole in his or her heart, longing for his or her dad's approval and love. And we then bring that deficiency to our relationship with Father God. We say, I, I just wish he'd like me. We don't realize that God does like us and love us, but we are so, um, it's so, so imprinted into us that the Father figure <coughs> has given us this experience. So my set of rules is that a father doesn't like me or something like that. So my reaction to any situation that we encounter is based on this collection of memories from a lifetime of learning. <laughs> Any current event pulls on one of our stored rules in our subconscious mind and we instantly and automatically react. There's this, the filing system and something happens and we pull out. So for me, was that I, my opinion doesn't matter and I would just pull that out. There's my card. But then God set me free and now I don't pull that out anymore. When we are hurt, violated or damaged, my system says that hurt. And my system knows who did the hurting. And so any time my system sees that or anything like that, again, it raises an alert and triggers a violent reaction. God created our mind to filter everything that's going on so that you can focus on a few things that you need to. And it monitors your environment for things that you perceive to be dangerous. So the mind filters all the things so that we're not bouncing around or our mind actually helps us as well to work out what it needs to focus on. S attention disorder is when your mind no longer adequately filters out all the different things, all the different thoughts. So attention disorder is when we can't actually set that filter and we just get overwhelmed. And then if we constantly react to things that might be dangerous, but they constantly not being dangerous, but we are ones who find ourselves reacting a lot all the time, that's part, that's an unhealthy thing. But they, these are all prompts that can actually set us to ask God for healing. And so that's part of being saved. So an essential component of being saved that we spoke about last week is our need to be renewed in the part of our mind that we're not consciously aware of. So the fact and the emotion get stored below our conscious level. And then when the event comes, it comes out of the unconscious into the conscious. But we need to have Holy Spirit 
transform our soul. And he does that um, he does that as we read the word, but it's it's a him shining his revelation into my soul. He says, Let the spirit renew us by revelation in our thoughts, feelings, and choices. And this is what we here love. This is this is part of our DNA is to create an environment where we can very safely move in that journey. So Ephesians 4.23 says, be renewed in the spirit of your minds. I like the translation in the Passion. Now it is time to be made new by every revelation that's been given to you. Now it is time to be made new by every revelation that's been given to you. So it could come through my spirit, but, and, but the Holy Spirit is working in my soul as well. Look at that picture. It's amazing. The light, the sun shining, and it's rising above the clouds, and we have hope. The Holy Spirit blows on my natural subconscious mind to awaken it to life and hev heaven. You remember Nicodemus in John 3 came to Jesus and, and Jesus says, you have to be born again to see the kingdom and enter it. So being born again is a revelation of the Spirit. So I'm going to finish now with a time for us to have a personal time just quietly with Holy Spirit. So um, I'm going to ask if you're happy to, if, you, if you're comfortable to, no one's going to know if you're doing this or not, but um, Holy Spirit wants to do this. So if you want to close your eyes and ask, we ask you, Holy Spirit, to show each one of us here a past memory. Now, we're potentially thinking of a memory that we want to dislodge. So ask Holy Spirit. Does everyone have a memory? Got, got one? Ask Holy Spirit, how do you see this memory? What are you saying, Holy Spirit? And what do you want to show me? as you shine your light and love on this memory. it down or any part of this this process might not be completed right here today but capture something that you can ask a trusted friend to pray with you 
to unpack is a reason why he might have prompted you for one memory. It might seem like, well, that's not, doesn't seem big. But, but don't, don't worry about that. Just go with the memory that he's reminded you of. And through this week, maybe just ask him to unpack that. And, and say what he wants to do with it. over us all and then if anyone would like to receive prayer from any of us we would love be honored to pray but father thank you for what you are doing in us thank you for beautiful freedom that you're bringing. Thank you that you will lead us through this week to shine your light, maybe in a dream, maybe through a conversation. Because you have such good plans for us and you want us to be uh, more and more saved in our soul. We're going to close there, but maybe just to, if someone wants to stay in that posture of watching what God's doing, and just let's honor each other and we can chat, maybe in the family room, or just be cognizant of people just wanting to stay quiet. Father, I thank you that you wrap your, your arms around each one in this room. Over to Mark.